0: Hello and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. Coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. Just a quick shout out to one of our sponsors, Paperbell. It's a new tool that powers your online coaching business. Paperbell handles your payments, your appointment scheduling, sending files to your clients, contract signing, and much more. You can get started with a free account at paperbell.com forward slash podcast. That's paperbell.com forward slash podcast. Let's get into the show. G'day, everybody, and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle, and I have the pleasure of interviewing, now I can actually say a fellow author, <laughs> Euros Buttermack. Thank you so much for being on the show, and welcome.
1: Thank you so much, Emma. Uh, thank you for having me, and yeah. uh, I really look forward to our chat today.
0: Absolutely. So um, Euros is a Tennis Canada High Performance Level 3 coach, which I actually really respect that because I know how hard being a level three coaches in Australia and I know that the Canadian system is very similar to the Australian system. Absolutely. Uh, he's also certified with the USPTA and the Spanish Tennis Registry over 20 years of coaching experience and he's got a wealth of knowledge especially as it relates to coaching all levels of players but specifically I have his book in my hand which is called Mine, very clever there. I like that. Um, (laughs) Reminds me of finding Nemo a little bit as well. (laughs) And it's an illustrated guide to women's doubles. He was a national level player in Serbia, followed by a US scholarship um, and now residing in Vancouver, Canada. So thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today. So I am going to ask you our first question. You are a man of the world. Have you tried Vegemite?
1: (laughs) I must say I have. (laughs) Now, being being a kid that grew up in Europe and Serbia and Germany, and uh, you know, it it wasn't my favorite when I tried it. Uh, I have to be honest. Um, I grew up with Nutella. So, uh, have you tried Nutella?
0: Yes, of course. (laughs) Very, very different.
1: Exactly. So um, yeah. you know, I, I was coaching for a while a, a a top Canadian wheelchair tennis player, and she had roots in Australia. So she kept telling me, "Vegemite, Vegemite, Vegemite." And so I tried it once, and <laughs> it did not sit with me. You know, like as someone, like I said, you know, like uh, you grow up with Nutella, you grow up with butter and Nutella on bread, mm. not just oh you know Vegemite. So uh, I'm sorry to say, I'm not That's a big okay. fan.
0: If, because you answered that way, can you tell us a coaching moment that didn't go so well, and what might be a lesson or two? You
1: no, know, I, I, I thought of this for a while, and you know, for me, when when things don't go well, is when someone doesn't show up. And uh, you know, I had the pleasure of of working myself as a coach for a long time, but also working with other coaches and and uh, and players as well. And and when 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 things don't go right, and someone just doesn't show up for the day. Um, is when is when things crumble so I I had a moment a few weeks ago we did an event um, and 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 I had an assistant coach working with me and um, all of a sudden the the women who were working with him because they were in a different facility uh, come running over to me and they go they go euros he left and I'm going what do you mean he left they go he just packed up his bag he's gone <laughs> so, you know, and, and that, that was a moment for me, like a, like a blocking moment. And we were the only two coaches working with you know 12 players, 12 women who were playing doubles. And, and I'm going, what's going on now? And anyway, so, so we ended up resolving it. And, and you know, I, I, in a way, secretly enjoy that situation where something's really challenging. And you're going, oh what am I going to do now? And uh you know the next minute seems seems like 15 minutes, but your brain's just going, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? How am I gonna deal with this? Because two facilities, you know, everyone need everybody's expecting expecting a coach, everyone's expecting instruction. So um that was definitely a blunder that uh, that I didn't enjoy as much. But uh you know it ended up working well because all the women were friends and, and they they got together and and um, yeah we moved on.
0: <laughs> okay. Okay, I like that. So I'm thinking about the lesson in that story. Uh, around getting on the same page with your staff and meeting expectations. I've got one of my favourite definitions of conflict is expectation divided by reality equals conflict. And Mm -hmm. especially when you're dealing with uh, groups of adults, I think that's really important to set those expectations and then obviously exceed them Mm -hmm. would be that's, absolutely. A, that's what came to mind does that resonate
1: absolutely absolutely because you know you, you have an expectation that things are going to go great because what could really go wrong you're at a beautiful resort playing some tennis you know you're going to have a wine tasting later you're going to have a dinner together and all of a sudden you know something just majorly like that happens so you know I think it goes back to the fact you know we as coaches we have to deal with whatever it is that we're thrown at and yeah. um and you know setting those expectations with your staff and others you know is important and um and just making sure that you know we're there uh and we are going to get a um hold on are you okay there because i got a notification from zoom here that i'm signed out but we're okay still here yeah yep no worries yeah um i apologize yeah so you know we're gonna we're gonna get hang on two six and we're going to get that challenging uh situation where something happens to us as a coach whether it's you or your assistant and so forth but you know, we have to be able to deal with it. And, um, you know, students have the right to ask any question they'd like. We have to find a way to 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 get that answer back to them. Yeah.
0: Agile flexibility. What about on the flip side? A coaching moment that went really well and what might be a lesson?
1: It happens every day, thankfully. I, I, I love when I'm coaching. I love when I'm out there uh, working with players and students of all levels. And you know, just yesterday it happened. And it happens, uh, thankfully, quite often where, you know, I'm working with a player. Uh, this girl came for a lesson. It was our, it was our first one-on-one lesson, actually. And um, all of a sudden, someone is, is, you know, is finding a challenge with her backhand, which is like a cross-court rally. Can't hit it, can't hit it, can't, you know. And all of a sudden, like, there's feedback, 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 you know, mutual back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then she hits it. And you both look at each other and you go, that's it. You know, and, and her her, you know, her face lights up. I get goosebumps, I get goosebumps now. And, you know, and, and that's that moment of, of breakthrough when you're going, Oh, that's it. There's many moments like that, thankfully. And, you know, that's something that you always search for every lesson, every student, everybody's different, everyone's unique. So you got to find a way of um, of creating that for them as well as for yourself. Cause you know, we do it because we love what we do.
0: Yeah. I love that story because you never know what's going to work <clears throat> for somebody. And, I had success uh, recently, and I did this both on the tennis court and off the tennis court, where we were struggling with something. And I just went to the complete opposite of that. So if it was backhand cross court depth, we went to mm-hmm. then hitting <clears throat> like short court, like drop shot style cross court, like this, you know, tr- alley to alley. I nearly said tramline, tramliner. Yes. <laughs>
1: tram-liner. <And> I, <laughs> I would have understood you. Okay, thank you. Uh,
0: so, and then off court. Someone was really stuck on this issue uh, that they were having with someone in the workplace. And we ended up just completely flipping the conversation and taking a different perspective of, of the conversation. And both techniques worked really well, which is what I love about the podcast as well, because we get sport perspective and we get, you know, business coaching perspective. Uh, what about our sliding doors question?
1: Fifteen years ago, exactly. So, two thousand and eight, um, two thousand seven, eight. I was in a bit of a crossroads with my coaching career, and uh, you know, at that point, I had been coaching for about five years. So, I felt like I was, I did my time, and um, I was looking at at moving. And I thought of, you know, uh, I was gonna get that working visa and go to Australia and maybe study some business. You know, get a real job at one point in my life, so to speak. <laughs> and um,
0: yeah. real job, real job in vertical. Right? I Love that. Yep.
1: Exactly. And um, you know, at that time I was I, I was I was an assistant at at a, at a major uh, country club here in Vancouver. And, um, and what ended up happening out of nowhere was that uh, the director left. He just left, and, and completely blindsided me. I had no idea. And I was 23 at that time. And uh, you know, and, and people ask me, "Oh, are you going to apply for the job?" And I go, "No, not really. Like i you know, my mindset was set to go somewhere else, outside of Canada, travel the world. You know, do do something else, really." And uh, and then I was encouraged to apply. And then I said, okay, you know what, this is this does sound like a good opportunity. (laughs) And um, and if I you know, I'm going to go through the process. I devoted myself to it. And then I said, you know, if I get this job and it was highly unlikely, really, that I was going to get it in my mind at that point. I I felt like it was a learning experience for me to go even go through the process. Um, But I said, you know, if I get the job, I'm going to stay in Vancouver. And if I don't, I'm out of here. And, um, you know, and it was literally like, you know, we're waiting to see like what's going to happen, getting the job or leaving the country. And, uh, and I got the job and I stayed there and I was, I was there at that club for seven, eight years. So, and it was, it was a great, great run. So that definitely changed course for me. Um, and, and, you know, similar thing happened again, uh, you know, five, six years ago, I was, I was leaving the tennis industry, I left, went to Austria for a few months, and all of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm back in Vancouver, back at a country club. It just it pulls me back into it, and I've given up at this point. Like, this is it. This is my life.
0: <laughs> yeah, what, what do you love most about coaching in Canada?
1: Coaching in Canada? Um, I mean, what I love coaching in Canada is that you can work with, with everyone at every level and take it really seriously. You know, like coming from from Serbia or Europe, a lot of times like you, you know, unless you're a high performance junior, you, you know, you're a recreational level player and who cares about you. Um, whereas in Canada here, you, you know, you have a league, you have multiple divisions within tournaments, you have, you know, men's league, women's league, mixed tournaments for, you know, adults of all levels and, um I particularly like that. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been lucky enough to, to be in good environments where, you know, I have my own setup as far as coaching, my hours, my the systems and the protocols that are in place. And so there's a lot of freedom that's associated to it as well from, from my end.
0: In one to a maximum of three words, <clears throat> what makes a great coach?
1: Okay, so I thought of this one. The first thing that came to mind um, was patience. Patience, definitely. You know, uh, it takes time to to develop uh, a player of any age level, ability, and so forth. Um, it takes time. It takes patience. Um, you know, and then at the same time, while I'm thinking of that, you know, I'm sure, that takes patience. Takes you know, big picture, small, you know, details, big picture, and so forth. But really, what 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 it really comes down to, I think, in my mind, is is the ability to individualize your coaching. So, you know, if I'm working with you, Emma, it's going to be a very different lesson to, you know, working with my wife or, you know, working with a friend. of like, everyone, like, you know, coaching the person. um, And, and, you know, you'll see some coaches just coaching tennis. They're coaching their stuff. They're coaching their material. This is their forehand. This is their back. And this is how you do this. this. And of course, there's some, you know, generalities that are very much, you know, accepted across the board by mechanically and so forth. And you know, the structure of a lesson, and, and that's fine. But it really comes down to working with the player, with the person, finding a way to get through to them based on their personality, their habits, their, you know, their current level of play and so forth. So I think that would be the main one. Can you individualize your coaching?
0: So patience <clears throat> and individualization. How about that?
1: There you go. Perfect. Those
0: two words? you happy with that? Okay. Well summed up. <laughs> okay. Okay. We um, Frank Gianpolo the other day, I asked him and he said, customization, customization, and customization, which was very key. <laughs> but I like that it's along this, the same lines of, of what, what you just said there. And uh, certainly, Absolutely. it's not, you know, a lot of the times coaches say that they are player-centered and they're putting the person in the center of of the their world and their, their universe. More of a buzz, sort of buzz phrase um, that's been around for a long time now. But people say that they do it but I don't know whether sometimes they make the real effort to do it, especially if you've got a group of eight ladies and you're covering both courts and you've set up a, a learning environment, it's still important then to be able to find what each person needs based on what they need and what they want. I think it's something that it's like every day. It's hard work. What do yeah. you know? <laughs>
1: yeah. Absolutely, is. You know, and uh, I mean, and that's what keeps keeps us engaged as coaches and, and involved. And if it was just easy, you know, you, you'd stop and go and do something else. I think at one point or another, it's what keeps me coming back. Like because you know, yes, you know, uh, and maybe you know, one person needs something else than someone else's you know technique or whatever it is that you're trying to execute. But then there's also you know the person itself. Like you know, am I gonna go? Come on, Emma, you can do this. You can do this. Come on. You know, like you you know you know get your feet there or whatever in a different tone of voice versus maybe another person on that same court can't take that coaching style is going to go and and i'm going to go more oh you know uh tiffany uh, you know what happened there right and so you know it's it's that approach to how you're coaching someone as well as you know what it is that each person needs on the court so yeah it's definitely exciting and you know if you're dealing with a group uh you know your senses have to be all turned on and Mm. um there's no time for a break but you know that uh, i really like that about coaching
0: yeah and I know that you've had some mentorship from uh, Wayne Elderton and Louis Kaye and Louis on the podcast, he said, and I'll never forget this is one of our first episodes on the podcast, he said, we teach people tennis, not tennis to people.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: There was a little Ooh. comma in there, even though I didn't say comma out loud. The way he said it was, um, but we'll, we'll talk maybe more about mentors uh, after our last official question, which okay. is where we ask you to ask us a question.
1: Which, uh, you know, for me, it, it's about balancing. It's a balancing act, um, you know, because as coaches, we love so much what we do, it almost turns into our life. And often, you know, it is uh a life and then also you know there's the personal life as well and so it's you know often i i'm, I'm curious about how people balance their own time their their, their you know uh, such a big passion for for what we do as well as with with just home time and being able to shut off that coaching mind because we do need a break as well even though as much as we love it you know so um you know how do you find your balance emma
0: yeah it's a, it's a great question well i've got two <clears throat> thoughts for you on that i've really been exploring that concept lately especially as it relates to the hybrid workplace, because I'm doing a lot more corporate coaching these days and people are not only working from home, they're also doing their laundry. They're also getting food ready. And so, but the computer is always there or the office is always there. And uh, we've had a couple of people on the podcast as well, like um, Gabe, Gabe uh, Jamillo, he said, well, it doesn't exist uh, balance. And I've been exploring two reframes on the word balance, Um, one work-life integration and the other one is work-life rhythm because there will be times, as you know, say uh, at a country club where pre-season is going to be crazy busy getting everyone registered and organised and where they're going to go, et cetera, and then there's obviously the the time when you can um, completely – the rhythm is going to be a lot slower – so I, I've just been exploring those rather than giving myself a hard time for having no balance. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just, I'm, I'm on the reframe train at the moment. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. No, I mean, uh, you know, it, uh, it's cyclical, right? And so we can find those times when, when we can, you know, engage more and a little bit less. Um, and, I, and I spoke to another coach recently about that. And he said to me, he goes, but you know, Euros, it's almost impossible to find balance and and do what we do he's also a fellow coach and a leader at a a big club here and he goes like it's impossible to be able to give yourself so much time with everything in your life you know Mm. your your friends your family your alone time your work time like it's he goes something has to give amongst all those pillars and then you know for something else to be able to be you know is highly developed and so Mm. he said forget trying to find balance and i'm still looking for balance (laughs) (laughs) so so thank you i appreciate that That, that, What you said that was good definitely yeah
0: well coaches out there please uh we'd love your feedback on what your definition of work-life balance is it's definitely a very uh demanding job being a coach because when we do put the player at the center of our learning all our energy for uh that time and even this podcasting time right now I, I don't have my phone as a distraction. I'm completely 100% with you. I mean, what yes. the greatest job in the world. I just get to talk to coaches. I mean, thank you. Like, thank you. But that's so, the greatest and, gift, right?
1: Like, you know, being here right now for exactly, both of us. So yeah, it's great.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I actually block out my entire face on the, on the screen oh. so that I can be even more just, <clears> you're <throat> the only thing I can see. So I love that. I do that often when I coach people as well because we can get so distracted by, oh, you know
1: yes how am I moving how am I doing this how am I up right now?
0: yeah exactly exactly all right let's uh go back to your early playing days I think correct me if I'm wrong you grew up in, in Germany but then you're a national level Serbian player and then you got a U.S. college scholarship so can you talk me through that journey
1: definitely yes um I started up in Germany um, my mom had a job as a teacher there so when I was eight years old or so I You know, was that era of uh, Boris Becker, Steffi Graf, Michael Stich, all the all the German all the German top top players, Um, and then you also had you know the Yugoslavian old players. uh, You know, so uh, Croatians were quite big at that time, Ivanisevic and so forth. And so you know, I I, as a kid, I really related to it. I loved watching it on TV, and um, you know, so yeah, I started tennis there, and uh, you know, I just absolutely loved it uh, once or twice a week. And then we moved to Serbia when I was ten years old, and that's when you know my doors really opened up because I could have a private lesson every day, Uh, you know, they were a a fraction of the cost that, you know, in Germany. So it was great because I could, uh, you know, just, just, and it helped me get all my friends, all my, all my, all my social setting. Everything was at the club in in, in my hometown, Sombor in in Serbia. And, um, you know, all of spring, summer, early fall, I was basically living at the club. Um, I was a little chubby growing up, so I, I wasn't the fastest around the court, but I had decent hands. And so, you know, like, you know, uh, I was working on my game and developing, but I did uh, have a lot of uh, anxiety when it came to tournaments. Uh, so that was a really big hurdle for me uh, growing up all the way through when I was about 16 and I came to Canada. And that's when I, I started working with Wayne, Wayne Ellerton, who, who then introduced me a little bit to Dr. Jane Lerr and so forth. And, you know, I, I started really going, well, this is normal to be feeling anxious when you're competing you gotta find a way to to channel this energy because it came from so much care. I like, I absolutely love tennis, right? So, you know, anytime, anything I can do to be on the tennis court, really. And um, so, yeah, and I really enjoyed my time when I came to Canada, working with Wayne and his team and, Um, and, and, and that's perhaps why I also really enjoy that psychological side of the game, because everyone that you're working with is struggling through something, some way or another, they're either overstimulated, understimulated, over, you know, anxious, or, or they're just hitting the ball, you know, they don't care where it goes. So you're always having to deal with some parameters and find, you know, where is this person, where does, where could this person go, um, you know, on the tennis court, but also in turn, you know, as a person themselves, you know. Are they just attacking every time that they can, you know, touch the ball? And, you know, how does that relate to their life? You know, my my story then continued here in Canada working and I probably played my best tennis when I was about 18, 19. um, After, after, you know, really recognizing the work that I have to put in uh, fitness wise, on court, off court, um, recovery and so forth. And, um, you know, and that, you know, that's when I went to the US and uh, I played on a scholarship, uh, you know, I decided to come back. I really wasn't enjoying the environment where I was at that time. Uh, you know, I was away from my family, friends, you know, again, because we just moved from Serbia. So uh, I decided to come back to Vancouver and then just really devote myself to coaching quite young. So at uh, almost 19 years old, I just started coaching and, and, and really... Really wanted to then take that seriously and take the player mindset into
0: coaching. Well, you and I have a similar journey in that in that respect, from you know coaching from such a young age. <clears throat> and so, in the book here, I'm dedicating this book to love, which is also a nice play on words, uh, because <laughs> it builds confidence and trust, and it can make miracles happen. Here's to embracing mistakes, being present, accepting challenges, being patient with yourself. Having difficult conversations, challenging yourself, and enjoying the journey. Now, hang on—that there's nothing here that's, that's about the continental grip. What, what, <laughs> this is a tennis book. Uh, I love yeah. those. I love those things. So, talk to me yeah. about some of those philosophies. Were they influenced by mentors? Where? How did you come up with like each of those? sentences that's why I wanted to read them out resonate really with me on every level of business coaching sports coaching yeah. any sort of coaching where do yeah. they come from how did you develop those types of philosophies
1: the road isn't straight you know road of improvement um whether it's the road in life whether it's the road on the tennis court whether it's you know with whatever we're going through school work anything there's going to be challenges uh, there's going to be mistakes uh we're, we're not going to be in the present moment and so all of that really you know for me summed it up as you know like how can i sum up a journey of someone developing as a tennis player and you know as i was writing that it was uh, the early stage of uh, you know the first year of, of covid and so forth and i just wanted to to bring something to everyone that they can hold on to and, and just process and understand that hey you know what it, it, it isn't a perfect straight line. It's not a a call you know, perfect world out there. Um, When you're on the court, when you're, no matter what you're going through, um, you are going to have to work on it. It's going to be difficult. There's going to be times when you want to give up. There's going to be times when, you know, nothing's working, everything's going against you. It comes back to, you know, why are you doing it? Do you really love it? And and, and that's why, you know, I dedicated it to love because, you know, it really comes down to you loving it. Um, and so, you know, tennis, uh, as, as in tennis, as in life, you know, because it's you can't fake it. You can't fake it on a tennis court. Um, and you can fake it in life maybe for a little bit, but uh, they only go so far.
0: So staying on the book for a minute, I'm also very happy to see that on page 90, you've got in there <laughs> the Australian formation.
1: Just to be able to,
0: to mix it up and always... Show your partner something different. We love that because so many times, even watching the U.S. Open at the moment, they when like they're doing the same formations. I'm like, what? Mix it up! The minute you lose two or three points in a row, so I love that. Uh, How did you decide on these twenty scenarios uh, within the book?
1: So you know, over my time of coaching, um, I found myself repeating quite often you know, the same concepts or players would come out and ask me the same questions. And, you know, you'd watch players, like you said, you know, always going into that same one up, one back formation, one is left, one is right, one is right, one is left. And so, you know, I took, I I, I try to summarize out of all my years of coaching, what are the most common things that I repeat myself on? And, uh, you know, how does it fit into doubles and how does it fit into women's doubles, especially because, uh, a huge percentage of my lessons have been when women's women's league or women's league doubles and teams and so forth. And it's often the question, you know, well, you know, where do I stand when my partner is serving or, or where am I standing where, you know, when she's returning or, you know, where am I focused on or where am I fo- you know, looking? Do I look back? Do I look forward? And so I, uh, I put the, the 20 most common ones and uh, most of them are scenarios, but a couple of them are also just in a way lessons, uh, like the one on breathing, where you know just have to exhale and breathe and to be in the present moment to be able to hit that ball properly. Um, so I included that one because it just there's no lesson that goes by without me not mentioning breathing.
0: Connecting with the breath to help you stay in the present. I love that strategy. Any other quick tips on how to stay present?
1: Um, you know, I think, uh, to be in the present moment, um, means to just be alert. And so if, if, if the mind, um, is, is wondering often the body is also not there. So, you know, activating your feet, activating your feet, as well as just bringing your focus into, to your strings in front of you. Uh, those are some things where you can, you can stay in the present moment, but, uh, you know, there, there, I have, I found the breathing to be the best, uh, you know, under pressure and, and under any sort of circumstance where you really need to perform at that moment.
0: There's a, another thing thing coming through reading the book uh around belief now as Mm -hmm. coaches we can often see greatness in others but people can't often see it in themselves how do you help bridge that gap as a coach
1: and you know that's so true especially in the last few years you see people believing less and less confidence has gone down uh with the increase of 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 Call it fake social media uh, everyone looking perfect everyone on vacation all the time being able to afford anything and anything they want uh, people's confidence has gone down uh, a lot and our jobs as coaches has become uh, more interesting that way i would say uh, you know because the belief isn't there people don't don't believe in themselves quite often um, and especially you know as they're aging as well you know someone goes you know i'm 45 what do you think i'm gonna learn how to play tennis now uh, you know yes you will It comes down to questioning and going. And when I say questioning, it's, 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 you know, how did that feel? How did that feel? You know, uh, was that one it, or I go, okay, next time you hit the one that you really feel good about, stop and tell me or say yes, say yes, when you hit the right one because all I'm trying to do is create success, right? Success brings success that brings confidence. So no matter how easy the skill is, whether it's mini tennis, all of a sudden cross court backhand, because, you know, from the baseline, we were not successful whatsoever. Um, So, you know, you're bringing, you're, you're, you're you're dumbing down the skill to the most basic um, component of it, where someone can feel success. And then they go, oh yeah, I can do this. And, um, and some people are easier to 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 you know believe in themselves than others because in so many aspects of their lives maybe nothing's really working out for them, whereas all of a sudden they come on the cover and they leave after an hour and they go, wow, I, I actually improved. And so and so you know sometimes they don't see themselves, but I make sure that they do see it. They find it
0: because
1: I'm not letting them go unless they give me a you know this is one this is one that I hit that was really good.
0: Appreciate the reinforcement of focusing on somebody's strengths. Uh, in, in my book, the practice two is belief. And there's a section there where I just, I simply ask coaches, you know, what are your superpowers or in the workplace, what are your strengths? And I was talking even a coach friend of mine who I completely, like he's very confident and he's a really great coach, but he struggled to answer that. His three core strengths so I think it's important that we do reflect on that. And mm-hmm. the minute then he surveyed five of his inner, inner circle, I was fortunate to be one of those inner circles, then he could easily see the through line. He's like, oh, yeah, I am really good at that. So yeah. I love that focus focusing on, on, on the strengths. Uh, and then there are other coaches that you come across that really challenge you even on a deeper level. Now, let's go back to to Wayne and and Louis, Mm -hmm. two of Canada's great coaches. Tell, Mm -hmm. tell me some things that you they've taught you and the importance of having a mentor.
1: Oh, huge importance, you know, um, and I'll start with Wayne because he was the first one that I met uh, and through him, I met Louis and had the pleasure of, of knowing both of them uh, for just about 20 years now, which is wonderful. And uh, I'm in regular touch with both of them still. And, you know, I, I consider them, uh, you know, good friends as well. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, with Wayne, it's definitely the, the, the optimism, the optimism and, and the positive, the power of the positive reinforcement. You know, you walk into Wayne's facility, you can hear Wayne laughing somewhere in the facility, somewhere on the nine courts. He's out there, and uh, you know, not to say that he's just a positive, optimistic coach. He's he's also extremely intense when it comes down to it. Because I remember as a junior, he would work me harder than I've ever worked, been worked before on the court. But when it came down to it, you know, it's a you know, it's a friendly, positive, encouraging environment with the ability to really zoom into you know how do you develop that. You know, it's that question and answer between two people. It's the coach and the student comes out for a lesson, and you're going, you know, what it is that you'd like to work on today, you know, how how was your last match? What are some positives from it from some, some challenges and so forth? And then Louis, you know, Louis Louis was a hard ass, you know, like, right? like when I was a junior, you know, one of the, his was one thing that he, you know, I I recall standing out so hard he goes, uh, he said something to me. I was, I was at that time, a player. I was just turning into a coach and I hit something and, and and I gave him some sort of answer as to why I couldn't do what he was asking me to do. And he goes, zeros excuses are for losers. <laughs> and, and literally I never brought up an excuse again. I don't think ever in my life, I, you know, it, and it's easy to find excuses. And it was a harsh message, but he knew I could take it. And and that's, that's the huge part with Louis is because, you know, he knows who to press and how hard to press them. And he'll find a point of breaking and then he'll loosen up a little bit. And, you know, when you're working with with, with players or with other, co- you, you know, you gotta find the person's limit of where is it that, they, you know, now you've got them engaged. <laughs> you know, the story of Louis walking out onto the court with two, you know, doubles players who were maybe top 100 in the world. He said, let's go 20 volleys back and forth, you know, volley to volley, one foot over the net. They couldn't do it. He, he backed his bag up and left. He goes, when you guys can do this, call me. <laughs> you know, so things like that. I mean, it's just, you know, these these, these messages around coaching, um, you know, uh, are just huge. And just, you know, I think it comes back down. you know, if I can summarize, uh, you know, what I think of, you know, with, with Louis and, and my my greatest um, you know, associations with him, is just that, you know, you have to find a way to really push your students, uh, everyone, and again, they, a little bit differently, uh, listen to them, really find an, an, a way to simplify things, make it easy for them to, to improve, um, but you got to create that environment for them. You have to, as the coach, you're the leader of the court, you gotta, you got to find that environment where, where they're performing at their maximum. And he's brilliant at that. It's just no one better ever to to watch work than him. Have you have you ever had, had a chance to, to see or, or be with Louis on court?
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah. 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 I watched him once on the back courts in North Carolina working with the doubles teams, and I was like, oh my god, he's he was feeding the ball like he was feeding winners. I was like, yeah. that is hilarious, and talk about stretchy comfort zone and that's why I even just love those two examples you know you've got that the power of positivity and you've got find someone's threshold and push them to it and then and then pull back and then push them to it and pull back which I love that the concept of stretch the comfort zone each each yes. and every time you're out on court so it's that fine balance isn't it between that positive and that and that stretch so the question is in one to a maximum of three words What makes a great director of a club or a manager of a club? If you'd like to know Euros's answer to this question, uh, you're going to have to wait until after this very short advertisement. The Coaching Podcast was brought to you by Paperbell. If you're anything like me, you might not be super tech savvy. Well, Paperbell powers your online coaching business. It does your payments, appointments, contract signing client management, and so much more. It's dead simple to use and will give you so much relief and ease in your coaching practice. You send your clients one link and Paperbell does the rest for you. It's like having a VA that's there 24-7. It's a one-stop shop, so you don't have to worry about doing all the boring administration stuff and you can do what you love to do. That is coaching. Get started with a free account at paperbell.com forward slash podcast. That's paperbell.com forward slash podcast. Check it out.
1: Emma, it, it's about the, the ability to see all of the pieces that are falling into the place of a club. So, you know, there's so many different uh, environments that you're dealing with and juggling at the same time. You know, you're, you're, you're looking after yourself, you know, first of all, uh, you know, as a person, as a, and, and as a coach and as a manager, you're having to find time for yourself. To, to, to have your own time. Then you're dealing with uh, the coaches, you're dealing with staff um, who each individually have their own challenges as well. You're dealing with members most likely um, as, as at large, you're dealing with a tennis committee, you're dealing with a board of directors, you're dealing with uh, a general manager or an athletic director, depending on your situation at the club. You're dealing with the, the, the plant and engineering departments, the, the facilities, you know, so there's, you know, there's the equipment you're, you're dealing with tournaments, leagues, lessons, programs. I mean, it's a giant world that happens at a small tennis club, so to speak. And, uh, very few people really understand how, uh, many moving parts there are to, 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 to have a successful tennis program operating. And I think that just that ability to, to see all of them, juggle them all. Um, and when I say juggle, I mean, just not you know last minute pulling out oh yeah this oh yeah this no 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 it's, it's a matter of. You know, do you have them all laid out in, in, in your mind, as well as you know, hopefully somewhere uh, where everybody can see them and share them with you. Um, and you know, are you able to devote your time to each and every one of them and with a different approach, you know, because you are speaking differently to the board of directors versus. You know, someone that's a new member that just walked into the door. Uh, they have different different levels of understanding, different levels of play, different levels of sport, and you know, potentially different interests completely. So um, it's just that you know that ability to to do all those things while at the same time, like I said at the start, maintain your own health and engagement and 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 ability to be on the court and then off the court as well um, in the office um, performing. So manage
0: puzzle pieces.
1: Sorry, that? you asked for three words, didn't you? <laughs> I, I don't think I've given you one three-word answer that you're asking okay. for.
0: <laughs> that's, that's why I'm I'm the host. I get to summarise your brilliance.
1: <laughs> oh well, no, thank you. This but yes, you can you can cut out all the other pieces and just go this word, this word, this word.
0: There we go. Well, yeah. I'd like to just thank you for your energy and your smile. I'm sure everyone can feel that even through an audio podcast. Uh, i know that i would want to take a lesson off you and thank you i've got a young mentee from australia that's looking to get experience from the best places in the world i'm going to send him your way please do because i can feel your energy i love your philosophies and i really appreciate your time and uh I'm, i admire anyone that, that puts a book together now i know how what hard work that is so congratulations on on the book. That'll be thank in you, the Emma. show notes. So thank you, for your, thank you for making me a better coach.
1: <laughs> You're very welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, tremendously enjoyed our, uh, our little chat here and I uh, hope to do more of them and maybe uh, we see each other in person soon too. So thank sounds, you very much. I really appreciate it.
0: Sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for listening. The Coaching Podcast is brought to you by your energy and high performance under pressure coach, Emma Doyle.